Podcast Network crossover series. We love doing these things every single week, and this week is extra special because it is a historic rivalry that is not really spoken about too much because the teams don't play each other that often, but there is a lot of history there between the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns, and I'm joined by host of Lockdown Browns, Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, how's it going, my man? Uh, things have been good. Um, look, you know, with a, a franchise that was one in thirty-one over a two-year period, um, you know, it was obviously tough. And you know, the beginning part of the season was tough. You know, with the head coaching still here, with the head coach still here, the offense coordinator, uh, nothing seemed to be working right. Uh, they went ahead, cleaned a little house. You're starting to see that the future of this young team is on the field. It shouldn't be so much about you know who the next head coach is or that you realize you finally have the product with the Cleveland Browns. You have a quarterback. You've got a pass rusher. You've got a running back. You've got weapons for the quarterback. You've got a corner. You've got a middle linebacker. I mean, you know, we I always joke that, you know, forever the Browns every offseason was like they just bought a new home and they had to go to Costco and get everything for the house. This year it's going to be a little different. Go on out. You got to hit the grocery store on the way home. We need four or five things. So, but but it's been fun and the success of this team and just the way these young guys are gelling together and enjoying every second of it. It's been really really fun over the last five weeks. Yeah, it really has. And they, you know, they they kind of started off the season uh, up and down a little bit, more competitive. We saw that through the preseason with this team, but things really kind of uh, changed after that head coaching change that they made. The team seems to be playing for. The guys that uh, are leading them right now, Baker Mayfield, the very electric player, and the Browns are something to, that that's being talked about. I mean, just the win total they have this year compared to years past. I, I said it in the preseason, this Browns team, when I look at them on paper, they're going to be scary in a year or two. And, and so far, they have a lot of talent right now that scares me, especially heading up to this matchup, which we'll talk about today on uh, this crossover series between the Broncos and the Browns. And really a lot of things we're going to talk about today. Obviously, the sponsor of today's show, we have DraftKings and Action Heat Clothing as well. In segment number one of today's show, we're going to talk about the Broncos offense and the Browns defense, what to expect when both of these units are on the field, as well as segment number two, the Browns offense against the Broncos defense, what to expect from some key matchups. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, Von Miller on the opposite side. It's going to be an exciting one to talk about as well. And in segment three, we're going to close it out, maybe talk about some of the keys to the game for each side of the Broncos and Browns thing. So without further ado, you know, let's get started about, you know, with this right here. And obviously the Denver Broncos offense, when we look at this matchup, Jeff, on paper between the Browns defense and the Broncos offense, many people used to think that the Browns didn't have a defense, but you go through and you look at this defense and they have pass rushers. I mean, they have a guy in Miles Garrett that has been, he's been a surprise. You have Jamie Collins, who was acquired via trade not too long ago, Terrence Mitchell, TJ Carey in the secondary, not to mention Jabril Peppers and, and Denzel Ward. You have a lot of talented players on this defensive side of the ball. And the Broncos, when you look at them on paper offensively, you have Case Keenum, you have a, a, you know Philip Lindsay, and you have just some wide receivers in Cortland Sutton. But outside of that right now, the offensive firepower for this Broncos team, you look at them right now where, the, where they're at due to injuries with Emmanuel Sanders, there's not a lot to see here. So one of the key things I wanted to ask you from the Browns side of the ball is we know Denzel Ward is kind of going through the whole kind of concussion protocol at this time. He's a key player, in my opinion, to watch for because he's a guy that is very cerebral, very te- he's a technician-based player. And out there on the field, I feel like he's the quarterback of that defense, essentially, because from a young guy coming in as a rookie, he's done a lot of stepping up to, to really make an impact on this defense. What can we expect to see from this Browns defense against Case Keenum and, and guys like Philip Lindsay? Um, the first thing we always do is when we do our pregame show is when we talk about the opponent is, you know, you know, offensively, defensively, who's the guy that scares the daylights out of you? Right now, that guy is Philip Lindsay. Um, 
the Browns, Joe Schobert is a fantastic middle linebacker. Um, but you know, he, he does have athletic limitations. Um, he is great in the run game. Um, coverage wise, sometimes gets to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, we saw it with Christian McCaffrey this week. We've seen it with James Conner. We've seen it with, you know, it's a tough thing because they are limited athletically. Joe is fine. Jamie Collins, it's more of a Jamie Collins can be great on a, in a week if he chooses to. Jamie Collins kind of runs hot and cold, and the fact that he runs hot and cold tells you all the reason why he's no longer a New England Patriot. You either run hot with Bill Belichick or you don't. So moved on there. Uh, Denzel Ward, the interesting thing is going to be because the Browns are flying out on Thursday to Denver. And it came. Greg Williams said today he's still in the protocol. Um, unless he gets cleared from the protocol and can practice tomorrow, it seems like Denzel Ward is not going to be an option this week. Terrence Mitchell back after a long layoff of a broken wrist. Uh, you know, showed well in his first game back and had showed well up until the injury. So you know, Denzel Ward, you know, great player as he is, it's not a huge, huge loss because. At the cornerback position, they've learned how to play without guys already. Obviously, with the length, Terrence Mitchell was out. Um, T.J. Carey is, you know, a handsy, sticky guy. I'm sure you know him, obviously, from his year with the, years with the Raiders. Some receivers just can't deal with a guy who's going to be that physical and that handsy, so he brings an issue there. Uh, Breen Body Calhoun, uh, you know, he's a fun. And the reason he's fun is because you have this modern-day era of guys who can play wherever. He can play some free safety. He can play nickel. He can play outside. All stuff. Greg Williams, you know, a little mastermind, likes to mix mix things up. You have Demarius Randall, who has just turned out to be an absolute slam dunk of a trade. Deshaun Kaiser in a fourth-round pick. You got yourself the starting free safety you've been looking for. Uh, you know, you had the, the game-clinching interception last week. You have a great rotation of strong safety with Jarrell Peppers and Derek Kindred. Look, Miles Garrett, uh, he's just he's just that guy. He's got Hall of Fame get-off. He is that quick off the snap. Uh, it seems week in, week out, like he'll always work in something different, a new, different hand maneuver, a different pass rush move. you got to keep in mind, Miles Garrett is you know could finish this season with the all-time Browns sack record. And he's not even going to be 23 years old by the time this season wow. ends. Special, special talent. Larry Ogunjobi, nur- nursing something. I mean, also tell us this is a bicep injury. You know there's a brace on it. Whether he's playing through a slightly torn bicep or not, we don't know. But, you know, played over 50 snaps last week. Just quick and strong. But here's another guy. Football was not always the first part of his life. So with each week, each, with each season, he just gets better and better as he learns the nuance of the position. Good, good young player. The defensive tackle position is a little bit something you're worried about. There's not a lot of depth there. But, you know, Emmanuel Ogba can go inside. He can go outside. Miles Garrett, uh, I believe you guys are down, what, three interior offensive linemen from week one. You may yeah. see Miles Garrett slip inside a little bit here this week and maybe find a way to eat there. Jannard Avery, as a fifth-round pick, is shown to be a fantastic rotational defensive end. Can give you some linebacker duties as long as it's not coverage. That is where the Browns linebacking core is in a tough spot. If you're going to run a lot of pass plays to Phillip Lindsay, it could aid the Denver Broncos because the Browns are not good in that area, Corey. Yeah, you know, when I think about this matchup, too, I thought the 49ers, if you go back and watch the All-22 film from, you know, I, I'd say last week against the against the 49ers, they did a really good job because Phillip Lindsay is a guy that they like to get out in space, to, you know, outside the C-gap, the E-alley on stretch plays, counter plays, toss plays, and, and they did a good job. They emphasized contain all week long. I talked to former yep. Broncos safety Nick Ferguson, and, and he's a coaching intern over there at the San Francisco 49ers. He said all week their game plan was, can we keep the edge? Can we work on being disciplined off the edge? And when I watched the Browns on film 
this week and just throughout the just the I'd say the last couple of weeks because they're interesting to watch. They're fun to watch if you are an NFL fan because Baker Mayfield and just the you know Nick Chubb. You have just some of these dynamic players defensively. You have some talented players. They are fun to watch. And I think when we go through and, and we talk about this matchup even more, I want to talk about the offensive line for the Broncos. As you mentioned, Matt Paradis out with an injury. You have you know you lost him to a broken fibula. You lost. You know, Ron Leary, a veteran guy in the NFL, to an uh-huh. Achilles injury. And you also lost Max Garcia, his backup, another key old lineman. Now you have Garrett Bowles, who has struggled a little bit, you know, the last, uh, I'd say this season. He had a, a great three- or four-week stretch. But previously, before that, the beginning of the year, he kind of had a couple of struggles. And he had a struggle, you know, a week last week against Eric Armstead of the San Francisco 49ers. What do you think that Greg Williams, being as defensive-minded as he is, is going to dial up against his Broncos O-line? I think he's going to kind of let his corners play. And this is Greg's thing. Look, you know, I don't care if you get beat. And normally Greg will put him in position of, look, I'll give you 10 yards. I'll give you 8 yards. You're not going deep on us. He he does preach the bend but don't break. And the other thing, though, is if in front, drive and hit. And the difference this year has been strip, go for the ball, create turnovers. And they've been really good at it. They are second in the NFL and keep in mind, they are only you know a five-win team. They are second in the NFL in turnovers created, so that has been a big key to that. And then you factor in you know Miles Garrett with the pass rush, and look, I think Miles Garrett should have a a pretty pretty solid day. He's at twelve and a half now. I think he needs fifteen sacks or fifteen. I think fifteen sacks to have the record. You know, I, you know, as a Cleveland Brown, I know he's gunning for it. Miles doesn't give you that all. He's not all about football. But he's smart about football, and he knows what that mean that would mean to have it at such an early age, and to cement him because there are some doubters in Cleveland. There are some doubters in the league. Uh, you look at the Bengal game; he had 12 total pressures, seven total pressures last week. Just an absolute freak. They're gonna go. They're gonna you know. Tr- I mean, they're gonna try and box in Lindsey, um, which y- y- what you need to do with somebody of his you know caliber and how he did not get drafted. My lord, I will never understand that. But what you got to do is you got to take Philip Lindsay away. And with the missing pieces on the Broncos' offensive line, you hope you can do that. And Christian McCaffrey was cooking for about the first half and about midway through the third quarter. The Panthers tried to go away from him a little bit. I don't know why. You know, the Browns did shift things up a little bit and try to, you know, contain him a little bit better. And they tried to take him away. But Lindsay is the first and foremost key here if the Browns want to win this game is you cannot let Philip Lindsay run wild like he did against like the Bengals and some of the other games this year. And look, he's just had a phenomenal rookie campaign and when you want to slice it. But he's the guy you you want to take away. Because Case Keenum, look, I mean, he can turn it over a couple he can turn it over a little bit. And that's at times he's not always the most accurate guy. So you'll deal with, you know, the coverage issues you may have, and there'll be a miss here and there. Of course there will. But Philip Lindsay, first and foremost, is the guy that you cannot let beat you. And we're talking here with Jeff Lloyd, host of Lockdown Browns and our Lockdown Browns, Lockdown Broncos crossover. We just talked about some pass rushers. Well, obviously, we're going to see from the Cleveland Browns defense what we're going to possibly see from the Broncos offense. But we're going to get into segment two here in just a moment where we're going to talk about the Broncos D against this Browns offense. Surely an exciting matchup. But before we jump into that, i got to tell you guys about DraftKings, which is our sponsor of today's show. Now, with bragging rights and huge cash prizes that are up for grabs this weekend with all the football games and all season long over at DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports, how huge are we talking with this matchup? We're talking big. Broncos, Browns, Saturday Night Football, we're taking over half a million dollars in total prices 
at DraftKings. Now, with One Week Fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when you play. You draft a new team every single week with no season-long commitment. And at DraftKings, you are the general manager. You just choose your players, you stay under the salary cap, and you see how your team stacks up against the competition. You have complete control in this say with DraftKings. No matter what your skill level is, there is a contest waiting for you at DraftKings today. So if you've been thinking about trying one-week fantasy football, now is your perfect opportunity to get in the game and play because nothing makes Football Sunday more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line, which means you can make money. That is so important. We all like that concept, and you have to take advantage of it. And you can play free with your first deposit to compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. That is unbelievable. And we're going to tell you this right now. Obviously, how you can get in the action today with DraftKings, you go to DraftKings.com or you download the app today. You use promo code Locked On to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. That's promo code Locked On. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Now, there's a minimum of $5 deposit required when you sign up. Eligibility restrictions apply. So see DraftKings.com today for details. All righty, Jeff, we're jumping into uh, the Broncos D against this Cleveland Browns. Oh, I I really kind of wanted to get your perspective on this because this Browns offense, it's not like what we've seen in past years from the Browns. They actually have their quarterback. And, and this has been a huge thing, is that this Broncos defense hasn't went up, I don't think, yet. They've gone against some good quarterbacks, but I don't think they've come against as dynamic of a quarterback as Baker Mayfield, a guy who can hurt you with his legs, a guy that's pretty sharp in the passing game, and he has the ability to thread the needle. We saw that with a 66-yard pass to David Njoku this last week against the Panthers defense, who isn't a bad defense at all. So my thoughts on this before we dive into this real key matchup here, offensively, defensively, tell me all about Baker Mayfield. What's it been like? Because Tyrod Taylor was the guy at the beginning of the year, and we knew that wasn't going to last very long with all the hype surrounding Baker Mayfield. Now he's the guy, and it, it's been, I'd, I'd say, electric for the Browns. Um, well, first thing first, that was actually Brashard Perriman, um, a guy whose career to this point has been known as a draft bust. He's actually turned out to be a nice find for the Browns, uh, averaging almost 19 yards per reception. And with that thin air in Denver, it could be another one dialed up to him this week. Um, I actually went out and sent a bunch of messages this week to a bunch of guys who were huge Baker Mayfield guys through the draft process. And I said, ah, did we all kind of miss on Baker Mayfield? And most of them came back and said, yeah, I had no idea it was going to be this good this early. And the biggest thing you get when you talk about Baker Mayfield is the accuracy of the passing. It's it, it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you keep in mind, you look at this, the team, 1-31 over the last two seasons. He went 18 of 22 Sunday, three drops, and one was a ball on the sideline. If Jarvis Landry was six foot two. And not five foot eleven probably would have gotten his feet down. It's it's insane how accurate he is with the ball. And this is the thing. And with the receiver play, just get open. And Baker is going to literally put almost every ball on your numbers. So it makes it so much easier for everyone to do their job. The personality. Um, and John Dorsey talked about the fact that. One of the reasons they liked Baker as much as they did is they knew they were bringing him into a chaotic situation. 
Baker was 23 years old. Obviously dealt with the Texas Tech situation where, you know, he was asked basically to go. Ends up at Oklahoma instead of Texas Tech. And it all it just basically took off for him there. He's The th- thing about him is, it, it, and I, I know some people, the cockiness rubs you the wrong way, but if you're doing all the work and you've always been doubted and you're getting success, why can't you be cocky? And and that's the biggest misconception people have of Baker Mayfield. And he is 100% dialed in. Freddie Kitchens has made this fun. He's gone to different positional meetings and said, hey, guys, what do you like this week? And what do you like this week? And he's incorporated it. And these players have bought in. And the best part about it is, is when you go to them and say, hey, I need something from you. These guys are now willing to do it because what do they say? Look, he's looking out for us. So if he says he needs us to do this, and they jump into it, and that's been the fun part of this. And you know, however this works out here, you know, through the final weeks, whatever they're going to do with the coaching situation, you found a way where you found NFL players that say, "Look, there are coaches who we can work with as long as it's a give and take." And that's been the most fun part about it. But Baker, I mean, look, Baker is taking the city over. The Cavs are not a very good basketball team. The Indians are looking at trim some payroll here, which maybe they're not going to be the team they've been for the last few years. This is this has basically become Baker Mayfield's city, and it's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> I, I like that analogy because I tell you what, you know, guys like Colin Coward, you know, those guys have have a beef with Baker just because of the way he carries himself, and and he's very confident in his ability, and he's earned the right to do so. That's always one thing, you know. I I know Broncos fans. Before the draft even occurred, Broncos fans had a lot of questions before Case Keenum was signed. Who do the Broncos pick up in the draft? Do they go with a guy like Baker Mayfield? I, I can tell you this. A lot of people in Broncos country wanted Baker Mayfield in Denver, so it's going to be a little bit of uh, an electric moment. To I, think for the most, I think for the most part, all fans appreciated him. You, you always get yeah. these media pundits who, you know, whatever, they find an agenda or whatever. And it was even some of the some of the Cleveland's. Um, you know, he, uh, the practice he was at at the Senior Bowl where he said, look, I'm jetting out. I'm going to check on my mom. Uh, there were Cleveland reporters hoping to speak with him because of the fact that he, you know, they held the number one pick. And he's like, no, I'm going to go check on my mother. And that was it. All of a sudden, Josh Allen became the media darling because Josh Allen had the time to sit down and talk to them. And, you know, then when Baker was drafted, there was a whole bunch of Cleveland media like, uh, no, what are we going to do now? Um, we kind of already said some bad things about him and he's coming to town. And now they're in a tough spot because they're covering a quarterback. And Baker, Baker is an elephant. He will not forget. If you did him wrong, and that's and everybody, oh well, he needs to stop with that. No, that's how he got himself to this position. If you doubt him, he's not going to forget. You know, I mean, the old, the old gif of the list with the check mark. Baker Mayfield's one of those guys, and look, he'll come around one day because you know it'll be on his terms. But you know, that's what drives him. Is anybody doubting him? It definitely just creates the drive and makes the fire burn even higher for him. Yeah, and I think it's going to be an electric matchup. You know, one one matchup, obviously, we're talking about the Browns offense against this Broncos defense, and the Broncos are hurting in the secondary right now with Chris Harris Jr. being out for at least a couple more weeks with a you know, small chip fracture in his fibula. So that means, you know, rookie cornerback Isaac Yadam getting thrown into the fire a little bit. He's, he had a separated shoulder against the 49ers. His status for this week is questionable. I mean, he finished the game, but... Yeah, you might have to have a very high pain tolerance after that, you know, especially after your adrenaline wears off and you have to go back and play another football game against guys like Jarvis Landry and and tight end threats like David Njoku, which I'll get to in a minute. But, 
you know, some wide receiver threats for this team. You have Rashard Higgins, former guy from CSU, Colorado State University. He's having a bigger year than he did the year prior. He's getting involved. He's he's one of those guys that I wouldn't say is a primary target, but he's a guy that I, I feel like just based on watching Browns film, he makes plays when Baker goes to him. But really in this matchup, I, I think we have to look at it because the Broncos gave up over 210 receiving yards to George Kittle of the 49ers. You're going up against a very underrated in my opinion tight end and David Njoku who is not only sizable but he's fast he has the ability to break away and in this matchup you know you have to figure out that the Browns are watching that game against the 49ers they're like okay we're going to exploit the inside linebackers and their safeties by doing this with David Njoku what give me a little bit more spin on David Njoku in this matchup against Darian Stewart you know Justin Simmons and Will Parks and Sua Cravens who are, are a lot of times responsible for covering the tight end. Well, and this is the thing, though. I mean, they've done since, you know, obviously the changes are made coaching staff-wise. You know, Freddie Kitchens has gone in week in, week out with a solid game plan. Uh, if you want to see the best of David Njoku, you go to the Cincinnati Bengal game. Similar situation. A team that struggled with the tight ends. Linebackers sort of in flux and can't handle them. Um, they've run some great play action. And Baker, his play action skills get better with each and every week, he's able to disguise the ball. He's got enough confidence to hold it and you know make things happen. David is just an athletic freak. First things first, he is a wide receiver athletically and testing-wise in a tight end's body. Um, you are going to deal sometimes with issues with drops. That's just one of the things with David. There's going to be times where it could be right in the numbers and David is not always going to haul it in. But he is a mismatch nightmare. Um, it, we saw it uh, the uh, Giant game, uh, the preseason game. Um, there was a linebacker couldn't run with him. There was a safety who didn't want to tackle him. And that was with Tyrod Taylor. And then Baker came in a series or two later and just tossed one up at the back of the goal line. There were three guys around David Njoku. But David is six foot five and has a high jumpers background and beat them all and hauled it in. There's, I mean, there's so much that David Njoku can do. And he just needs to continue to stick to his craft. Um, if he spent some time with like an Antonio Gates or a Jason Witten and was able to find, you know, to fine tune his routes, the sky is the limit. It's going to be interesting how that unfolds because he is a difficult, difficult. And Higgins, the thing is, and he's very underrated. But when Baker is in a tough spot, Rashard Higgins is the guy he goes to look for. Higgins is a precise route runner. He has very reliable hands. So when Baker's in a tough spot, that's the guy he's looking for. I want to know a little bit here. Look, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and the one constant issue here on the offensive line for the Browns have been the offensive tackle play. Uh, you know, Chubb, it, it just seems like it's coming really, really quick. And he's a guy I know my lot on Browns listeners want to you know, know about because, I mean, we assumed it was going to be quarterback at one, Bradley Chubb at four. They went with Ward. You know, we do not have any issues with that selection now. But Bradley Chubb is a guy we thought was going to be part of, you know, the uh, dog nation. Yeah, you know, Bradley Chubb and his evolution to become an NFL player, the transition from college to the NFL. The Broncos were very surprised when he was available at pick number five. They had no idea. They didn't have any belief whatsoever that he would even be available at that time. And, And he was one of those players they thought, this is a once-in-a-lifetime type player to have opposite of a guy like Von Miller. I mean, this is a diamond in the rough, essentially, that nobody got at picks one, two, three, or four. So when the the Browns picked Denzel Ward, I know there was a lot of surprise in Broncos country, and, and they, you know, that selection, it didn't take long for them to make that selection. So, you know, a little bit of a slow start for Bradley Chubb at the very beginning of the season. By the time the L.A. Rams came to town, 
that's his welcome to the NFL moment. He got in and he had several sacks on Jared Goff, I believe three in that game on Jared Goff. And and from that point, he's just been on a rampage. He's averaged a sack a game. And and right now he's at 12 sacks on the season. He's two and a half sacks away from tying Yvonne Curse's rookie NFL record for sacks in a season. He just needs three sacks in order to have that record for himself. And Von Miller himself, Von Miller has 13 and a half sacks this season. So when I look at these two, they're the, you know, in, in terms of sack production, they are the best pass rushing duo on the edge in the NFL. They have the most production there. It is crazy to watch. It's fun to watch because you, you see teams double team and, and even sometimes triple team by chipping Von Miller with a running back in and a guard tackle or a tight end and a tackle. And, you know, you have Bradley Chubb coming across the side and making a play. So Von Miller's done what Demarcus Ware did for Von Miller. And he's really done a good job mentoring Bradley Chubb. And Bradley Chubb is he's having the time of his life. And it, it's been fun to watch. And, and the Broncos, their their playoff hopes, they're they're in the hunt still considerably. Same with the Browns, but their hopes of getting into the playoffs really took a shot last week with that loss to the 49ers. Mathematically, there's still a chance, but really this gives Broncos fans something to look forward to these next three weeks. You know, he's been averaging a sack a game, so if he maintains that, he's got the record. He has a chance to do more than that. Now, my question for you on this offensive line with the Browns and the tackles especially, with how dynamic Baker Mayfield is and how quick he gets the ball out of his hands, do you see that really becoming an issue for you know Baker Mayfield and the Browns in terms of giving up a sack to these guys? I think what concerns me most is the fact that you have the duo and that both these guys can consistently get home. And look, it is a little bit of a shorter week. You know, Granted, it's only Saturday night as opposed to Sunday at 1 o'clock. But that is the part. And look, Greg Robinson, we saw some nice things. And normally Greg Robinson, you know, the one thing people would say about him, even when he was not doing well, was he's a strong run blocker. The run blocking's been okay. But he had been pretty good and solid in pass pro. Last week was bad. Uh, Chris Hubbard, well, I mean, we'll cross our fingers. He played better last week in pass pro. But now you're talking about these two guys. And look, I mean, they're basketball small forwards they're athletic they got strength they know exactly what they're doing I don't think Baker has seen this type of duo yet um maybe you hope you can run the ball with a little more consistency to back these guys off um you know Von Miller is a guy that will say hey look give me a blow here because he usually likes to take each rep as close to 100% as he can be so maybe try to run the game here elongate it that way but you know, like the, you know, the, the couple of long balls last week, I'm worried about whether either tackle is going to be able to give him the time to do that. So you could see more of you know the short passing attempt, and that's what got them in trouble in the Houston. Is they were trying to throw the underneath routes, the linebackers were dropping, they were able to jump on the balls. The second half, they were like, all right, stop with the underneath stuff. Just you know, hopefully wait it out, hope it's there, go deep, and it worked out. But. This is an impressive duo. I mean, granted, Houston with Clowney and Merciless and Watt, they did not give up a sack. I just do not see that being the case this Saturday night in Denver. Yeah, and it's going to be a certainly interesting matchup as the Broncos and the Browns do battle at Broncos Stadium at Mile High, NFL Network. Fox, Amazon Prime, if you have those. If not, be at the stadium. Broncos Stadium, Mile High, 6.20 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff as Baker Mayfield goes against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Certainly an interesting matchup. But at the same time, before we jump into segment number three here, kind of giving our closing thoughts on this matchup, Jeff, you you told us that you got to tell us a little bit more about Action Heat clothing. Uh, Action Heat, well, and I'll be honest with you, I am a I am a Action Heat user. Um, I coach soccer, and this year the weather was so piss poor here in New Jersey. We played soccer up until the night before Thanksgiving. 
brutal, brutal, 30 degree weather. Uh, best part is, is you have the, um, the five volt lithium batteries. Um, you put it up, you get up to 135 degrees. You can charge your phone through with, with what you're wearing, which is one of you know the biggest advantages of Action Heat. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anybody who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors or makes their living and hates being cold in the outdoors. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models released for this winter. Make winter activities more enjoyable with Action Heat. Uh, all this is the perfect gift at this time of year, guys. Look, we're getting closer to Christmas. Um, if you know somebody who, you know, they are part of the Parks Department or whatever avenue they work in, you know, they're outside, Action Heat is not going to disappoint. The clothing provides you toasty warmth and comfort to your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from the heat with Action Heat. Uh, we have a promo code for you for Action Heat, which will be locked on. You can either use it when you log in, or you can use it at your uh, checkout. The promo code of Locked On gets you twenty five percent get get you twenty five percent off when you check out. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for their sponsorship for Locked On Broncos and for Locked On Browns. But guys, trust me, it is this is one where I just don't read. I actually use it. I do work outdoors. Action Heat is a solid quality product. All right, jumping into segment number three here. We're going to close it up here, but I think some final thoughts on this matchup because we have the history of this team. You have the drive. You have the fumble. I know for Browns, they've endured a lot of heartbreak over the years, but now there is some optimism for them as a franchise. And I'd say the same thing for the Broncos too because last year they endured one of the worst seasons possible since josh mcdaniels took over the team uh back in the that day name, you know, and name browns yeah. fans do not want to hear people try to try to put that name here people are like nah no no and i think his nfl head coaching chances might be finished you never know though the nfl is a weird weird business but uh you know with these two teams they they've experienced hardships last year the broncos same thing with the browns both teams seem to be trending up now which is a positive thing especially in the division that the browns play in I tell you what, they've been very competitive. They've been fun to watch. You know, if if you were to tell me, Jeff, from the Browns' perspective, if they were going to come into Broncos Stadium a mile high and win, what would they have to accomplish against this Broncos team? I think you need to run the ball. Uh, they're going to um, – last week it kind of got away from them. Um, the defense did a good job late. They did not do a good job early. So Carolina, you know, controlled, you know, time of possession – uh, I think they outsnapped them by 27, 28 plays offensively, you know, to what uh, the Browns did. So you don't always want to put a rookie quarterback in a position where you're always chasing points. You know, granted, it worked out last week for Carolina. You want some more sustained drives. Uh, for me, they've been starting early very well with Freddie Kitchens, their first drive. So if Broncos won the toss and deferred, maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Get Nick Chubb going early. Uh, Nick Chubb only had nine carries last week. Nick Chubb is more your old school type of guy where he wants his twenty. It just works for him. He's got you know you're going to see some country strength from Nick Chubb where a guy has him and he's going to go ahead and get two three more because he's a big thick dude. As much as he is agile and he is athletic, he is really good at you know finishing runs in that respect. So get Nick Chubb going early. Um, one of the things I'm looking forward to is look Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know people doubted his arm and I hope anyone who ever did that 
is never going to say it again. But I'm looking for, I want to see Baker rip one in this thin air out there. And you got guys, Brashard Paraman, you got Antonio Callaway. These guys can get deep. So I, you know, I want to see one of those. You know, remember the old the Joe Flacco one in the playoff years ago. I want to see Baker. Oh, don't just remind get, me of that. <laughs> but I just want to see Baker just absolutely rip one. But I, you know, look if they're consistently scoring twenty plus points a week, it puts them in a position to win games. Uh, you know, the, the key is going to be those two pass rushers. And you know, look, Freddie Kitchens week in week out has come up with some funky stuff and some new and fresh. Uh, you know, he ran two counters. This past Sunday with Jarvis Landry, where nobody saw anything like that coming, they both worked to perfection. Freddie's going to have something in store, but you know, these tackles, you know, the, we're going to need Greg Robinson, we're going to need Chris Hubbard for this to be maybe you know each best game of the season. Absolutely, and I think for the Broncos in this matchup is really you know you mentioned you're going against a rookie quarterback who's not necessarily a rookie in a lot of ways, talent wise, ability wise. The Broncos have to find a way to get to Baker Mayfield. And if they can condense the interior gaps where we like to see Nick Chubb running, he's got that big play ability. We saw with that 92-yarder that he ripped off on a day that Baker Mayfield said he woke up feeling dangerous. you got to hope that the Broncos don't experience that. Von Miller's got to wake up feeling dangerous, and he's got to be able to match what Baker Mayfield's going to bring because he's got a lot of intensity as a quarterback. The Broncos have to find different ways, in my opinion, to disguise some coverages. Offensively for the Broncos, you have to win on third down. They've, they were 2 of 15 against the 49ers. It's been an area of concern for them. You have to win on third down if you want to have a chance to win this game against a team that isn't like the Browns teams of the past. So I'm hoping that the Broncos can put together a formulated game plan to come in and, and just compete. You know, you have to get more production from your quarterback in Case Keenum. You can't get outperformed once again by a younger quarterback. It happened with Nick Mullins last week. Case Keenum's got to step up and get things going with the offense. And then hopefully Philip Lindsay can spring some big runs and, and you got to establish an equal balance of that. So if the Broncos come out, control the ball, not turn it over offensively, get to Baker Mayfield and the Browns offense defensively, I think they have a good chance to win this game. And that's the thing. Look, Miles, and even still, uh, you know, with your two pass rushers, with Miles Garrett, I think we can both agree that each of them are going to get their own. So it's going to be, you know, the other defining plays who's going to make that moment look Rashard Higgins uh you know here's a guy you know Rashard Higgins going back to Colorado might want to have a big week it's going to be interesting with that and you know they've always found a way you know last week Rashard Perriman had you know got the party started with a 66 yard reception got a big late fourth quarter reception to get them to move the chains they eventually punted the ball back uh, you know, but Demarius Randall was able to get the pick. You know, Demarius Randall's a guy you're going to have to watch out for. You know, he's going to be reading Case Keenum's eyes. So it, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, even still, you know, both mathematically alive for playoffs, maybe that is not going to be the case. But, you know, these guys and, you know, everybody on your, everybody on the Broncos, everybody on the Browns, they're going to look forward to this primetime matchup. They're all going to have fun with it. And, you know, they want all of the 30 teams to be watching and say, hey, take a look at us and let us know and let everybody else know we're coming. We're coming for you. And it'll be a certainly good matchup this weekend at Broncos Stadium, Mile High. Broncos, Browns kicking it off 6.20 p.m. Mountain Time. I'm the host of Lockdown Broncos, Cody Rourke. Jeff Lloyd, host of the Lockdown Browns podcast. Be sure to follow him. On Twitter, be sure to follow Lockdown Browns for a great perspective. Jeff, love doing these crossovers, man. It was a pleasure talking with you. I look forward to this matchup, and we'll uh, we'll be live tweeting it. Absolutely, Cody. Uh, look, all the best. Uh, it, it was it was fun getting to talk with you today, setting all this up. Uh, you know, me and Cody, we've kind of been through some similar scenarios in life here, and just were able to sit down and have a little bit of a uh, back and forth in that scenario. As we always say at the end of the LOB, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.